Hello and welcome to the Talk Derby to Me podcast. I'm Blake Fallows, sponsored by SMJ Brady, Connect Red and Elite Football Development. Thank you to them as ever. All their information is on our social media. Thank you for the support. Uh, today we've got Cara Newton, who's the record ever goalscorer for Derby County women and Derby County ladies as was, and Duncan Gibb, the chief executive of Derby County women. A really interesting one for me because due to my own ignorance, don't know an awful lot about the women's game and Derby County's women's side of the game. So I learnt an awful lot from this conversation and I'm hoping to do a lot more with Derby County women going forward um, because Gibbo's a great bloke and there's a lot of great people involved with, with that side of things. So I'm really, really looking forward to, to doing it. So without any further ado, uh, Rams legend, Cara Newton and... Derby County Women Chief Executive Duncan Gibb. Two guests on on Talk Derby to me today. Uh, first of all, Duncan Gibb, Chief Executive. Is that right? Chief Executive of Derby County Women. Yep, that's the title that, uh, that goes with the role. Yeah. What does what does that entail then? So basically. Um... I kind of sit as a conduit between the main club and our operational board of directors. So uh, the main club, um, obviously Derby County, have got what they call a governance board, which they've got they've got the same type of thing with the community trust, really, Blake. Um, and on that sits uh, Nick Britton, Michael Johnson, Stephen Pearce, the club chief executive, Faye Nixon, head of marketing, and then uh, a couple of guys from the private sector within Derby, um, who work for companies that are associated with Derby County. Um, so I report into them, and then I in turn sit above a board of operational directors who, who basically do all the day-to-day stuff, the legwork. Um, so hence the title, and hopefully that explains how it all works. How did, how did you first come to be involved with, with Derby County women? It must have been Derby County ladies at the time. I know it's changed over recently. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an amusing one, really, that... The captain of the second team, I know, or the, or the reserves at the time, I, I, I know I know her mum, I know her really well, I know, uh, Melissa Wilkes. And uh, I got this phone call out of the blue one day, and it just went like this. It went, are you Gibbo? You need to buy the Derby Telegraph. You need to go to the back page, and you know what you need to do. And the phone went dead. I thought, OK, that's a bit strange. So I went out, got the Derby Telegraph, and there's a small little column at the bottom, you know, no more than 30, 40 words, something like that. It said, um, Derby County Ladies Football Club are looking for a new chairman. Um, any interested parties speak to club secretary Sheila Rollinson, who at the time I had no idea who Sheila Rollinson was. And um, a phone call was made, and hey, look, that was seven years ago. And, uh, you know, we're here now. Incredible. And what a, what a rise in, in that time. I mean, I, I first spoke to you about two or three years ago when you played Forest, I was there with, with Radio Derby and I spoke to you and there was a couple of thousand there, weren't they? And, and from when I first saw Derby County Ladies when I was at Borowash Vicks and playing on a Sunday afternoon after us to go and play at Pride Park, what what a journey that's been. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's, it's ironic you mentioned Forest because the first, sorry, the second game that I was involved um, was against Forest and it was at Borowash Vicks. And I counted the crowd, and there were 31 people there. And, um, you know, on a personal level, you know, I think 
you know, like, well, the one thing I am is really, when I get, when, when I get the kind of bit between my teeth, I'm very passionate and I had a very clear vision in my own mind that obviously it involves, you, you've got to kind of get other people to buy into that vision. And luckily the club are blessed with some really good people in there um, and that they were looking for a, a, a change of direction of travel for want of a better word. Um, and, and we've been on that journey together. And like you say, you know, we've played Forest now twice at Pride Park Stadium in the last couple of seasons in front of two and a half thousand fans on each occasion. We've played a number of big games down at, uh, at Michelob where we now play and we've played some marquee games over the year that, uh, you know, I mean, Cara's been involved in, in a number of these games. And uh, yeah, it's, it's different gravy, but um, it doesn't happen just like that. And it, and, and it certainly hasn't happened overnight. Yeah. Well, you, you just mentioned Cara and... It's uh, it's weird, really, because Carr is a Derby County legend. But if you look at it, I was reading earlier about it, like to have the goals record for, for Derby County women, you're up there with the likes of like Steve Bloomer, Kevin Hector, people that have scored hundreds and hundreds of goals. How does, how does that feel, Cara? <laughs> it feels amazing, to be fair. Uh, like, I was so passionate about Derby, obviously starting there at such a young age, you know, to be able to retire with like, that on your shoulders as the record top goal scorer. I mean, there's no better way to finish, really, is there? So, and to be obviously uh, alongside some of the the derby greatest with the number of goals. So yeah. How did you first get started with, um, with Derby County? Then, because I know it was you was a young age. Because I think it was 19 years or something. You spent a, a long time. That yeah, was, I believe I was 11. So I think it was one of the first years they started they youngsters and I just signed for Beeston Town um, and I got a call to go to Derby and because I just signed for Beeston Town I was, I'm a bit loyal like that I was like no you know I'm not going yet so I played a season with Beeston and then I joined uh, the next season with Derby and yeah the rest is history I was, think I was 11 when I first started so wow. yeah, yeah a long time ago <laughs> How much has the game changed in that time? How much has the, the game changed in that time for the, the women's side of it? Because... Oh, massively. I mean, go back to training. We used to train, I think, at the Shaftesbury Centre, is it? On the, the grass outside there. You know, now to be able to train at Moor Farm, you know, girls like coming up to play football now at their age, like they're so lucky and blessed to be able to go straight into it at the, the end it is now, you know. Us girls like started back when you know women's football was not very well thought of, and you know it's just built and it's grew and grew over the years, and it's an amazing level now, and I think it's only going to continue to grow. Gibbo, in, in your experience being involved, how much have you seen it seen it grow as a game on the whole? Can, can you see changes that, that have happened even in your time? Massively, totally agree with Cara. Massively. Um, and that's not just at our club, that's the game, the game in general. I mean, it's so much more professional. Um, and the things that you see in the men's game are very much now filtering into the women's game. So again, the men's game, you, you can't get away from the fact that money plays a huge part in that. So you, and you can, you, can, you can certainly see that in the women's game. So I mean, a couple of prime examples, really. Um, you know, people that even have a vague awareness of the women's game, you know, names like Don Caster-Belt um, was, was huge, you know, 
um, in the female game. Ultimately, that's Doncaster football team. Don't, you know, that, that's, Ro- that's the female arm of Rovers. Um, that long term was never going to compete when the likes of your Manchester City's, your Manchester United's got an appetite for it. Likewise, uh, we, we operate tier three national league. So for, for fans in the men's game, we operate in league one. Yeah. Um, in our league is a club called Sheffield FC. Some would know them as the oldest club in the world. Yeah. Yeah. When I first came into it, Carl, about this stuff, they were, they were perennial league champions. So they were the team to beat. You beat Sheffield, you won the league. Um, now, because of other clubs catching up, because clubs that are named clubs have got that back from behind them, um, you know, they, they struggle to stay in the league. And it's, it's kind of sad to see, but that's the realities of, of football. So, yeah, change myself. From someone who's always followed the men's game, obviously watching Derby County, and had an interest in, in the, the women's side of the game, but not, I don't know an awful lot about it. What is it that at Doncaster Bells that always did well? And there was always... Looking from the outside, it was always teams you'd never expect to be right at the top. Is it the money they put in or is it how the clubs run? Why do certain clubs at, at that side of the game do better? Is it the standard? Is it the money they put in? Is it how they're set up? I think it's a, it's a combination of things really, right? So, I mean, in terms of yesteryear, um, you know, the Doncaster story was a really good one and, you know, the game was a lot more amateur then. So money didn't really come into it. They were, of course, though, up against Arsenal, who were huge and still are huge in the female game. Um, but, but now, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a combination of a few things, really. I think it's not just investment from a main club. Um, that may work at Manchester United, but elsewhere, clubs have got to be very self-sufficient themselves and contribute towards that. Um, that's definitely the model at, at our club. So in terms of you look at the investment that comes into the overall pot, you take the club as a collective all the way down to the under nines, the biggest uh, stakeholder in terms of investment is actually us, the women's arm. Our investment is more than the men's arm. Does that make sense? So that, that works for us. But, uh, but money, is a, money is definitely a big factor. And then it's other things, isn't it? You know, the one that comes with that training ground um, and, and the professionalism that, that goes with that. I think the only one that probably books the trend, uh, Blake, is Durham. So Durham are very successful in the women's game. Their model is, is alien to all the other clubs, really, at the top end in the fact that they're basically, um, their model is through the university. So it's all linked to scholars and scholarship and top-end facilities, and, and, and that works really well for them. But for the rest of them, if you look at the leagues and the names in those leagues, by and large, they're uh, you know, vis-a-vis the men's game. Yeah. In your time, Cora, then, playing... For Derby can, uh, and playing beforehand because I can remember playing uh, under like 10s, 11s locally and we had girls playing with the boys and stuff. I think it was until under 11s. Did yeah. you did you kind of find it difficult? Was it difficult for you to kind of to break in and find a girls team and, and when you first started playing? Um, to be fair, like all I remember like at primary school, like I always used to play with the boys and um, uh, every dinner time, you know, me and this other guy would be captain and he was a Newton as well. So it used to be like we would be captains and we always had big fallouts at the end, like really competitive at such a young age. But I played with boys then. And then after that, I can't ever remember playing with boys. So I never joined like a local team and played with boys. And um, I went straight into a girls team, really. Um, 
but yeah, other than primary school, I don't ever remember playing with boys. Can you do you remember breaking yeah. Derby and your first game, your first goal, what your earliest memories of, of Derby? Uh, God, I remember getting called up to the first team when I was still playing for the under 16s. Um, and I was under 16s captain. And I remember one of my worst memories uh, playing for Derby is we had a game at Mackworth College um, and I was captain on the Sunday. And I had been called up to an England camp. And um, I was going on the Monday and I got told on the Sunday, oh, don't play, don't play. And I, I was really like, well, I'm captain, like I can't just pick and choose my game. So, you know, I went and played and I collided with the goalkeeper, got injured and missed uh, a training camp with England, which was just sod's law, really. But that was one of my memories that sticks out growing up uh, playing football. But yeah, just I always got called up to the first team from the under-16s. So every few weeks I'd uh, miss an under-16s game and I'd be able to play for the first team you know, along the sides of, like, legends like Liam B and, you know, or even Bart, um, Jenny Simpson, who's uh, a man, uh, one of the coaches at Derby now, you know, she was playing at, at left-back when I first started and then she moved to the goal and obviously now she's still on the sidelines, you know. So, yeah, times have changed a bit since uh, I was playing, but a lot of good memories. Can you, can you remember your first Derby goal? I don't think I can, to be honest. I don't know. Not sure I can. Not many. Well, yeah, to be fair. I mean, um, Nigel would probably, uh, one of the most loyal Derby supporters, he messaged me the other day with an absolute tally of my goals and how many hat-tricks I've scored over the years and everything. And I was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> I didn't know any of it. So if I ask him, he'll tell me when I first scored my first goal. But off the top of my head, I can't tell you, I'm afraid. Uh, Nigel, actually, because uh, I work at Radio Derby and I'm off, off from there in, early in the morning on the breakfast show at like six o'clock. And obviously, Derby women play a lot on Sunday afternoons. On a Monday morning, I regularly get a. I've just heard the sports news. You failed to mention it was Derby County women three <laughs> from Cora Newton, blah, blah. And it, every Monday, I'll get a phone call from Nigel with the goals. The court, and he, he loves it, doesn't he? I, I, yeah. Oh, honestly. He's what women's football is about, though, you know, to see someone so passionate. And, you know, he went out of his way and he sent me a... And it even had my picture on it of all my goals when I came on as a sub. He had everything. And I think when I first got called up, and, yeah, he knows he knows everything about every Derby women's player you can imagine. Yeah. How important are people like that, Gibbo, in, in women's football? Oh, massive. And... Um... He, he's renowned throughout the women's game. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story about him. Like, um, he, uh, he's our match day announcer, and people actually, uh, there are fans that come just for him. He's an actor himself. Um, and um, so, but he does tend, because he's so loud, he's very, very biased. He's got to be Britain's most um, biased match day official without question. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean, it's like Matt McGibbon starting chance in the middle of the games at Derby. It, it, you, you've got to see it to believe it. And uh, it, it can it can grate opposing uh, personnel. So we're at the annual FA Awards down in London at Madame Two Swords, actually. I'm sat next to the Beatles. So it was the, I, I, I actually, I think I knocked off Ringo Starr's Chelsea boot at one stage. Obviously, the wax version of it. 
and uh, you share a table with another club. So, and then, you know, you get the pleasantries out of the way. We'd, uh, we, we got there first, and the, this delegation arrived, sat down, it was like, oh, who, who are you? We're Brighton and Nova Albion. And who are you? Derby. And this guy, he was the manager of Brighton, he just, he just went red. He went, Derby. He goes, the one, the club with the Larry head, like on the mic. And then she spent five minutes telling us about all the things that he had seriously considered doing to Nigel. Um, when we had played them in the FA Cup um, the season before. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like everything. Wine smooths matters over, and at the end of it, he was Nigel's biggest fan. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, that's Nigel. He, 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 draws, um, he draws attention from clubs and people throughout the game. It was, it was a, a moment for me, because I've known Nigel from going to Derby Reserve games when I was younger and watching the 18s and whatnot. And I ended up speaking to him the first time he played Forest at Pride Park when he... They allowed him to go and still be the announcer, and he, he, the pro, just how proud and it was just a massive moment for him. And when I spoke to him, he was I can't believe they've let me do it at Pride Park. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, and that for me was a moment of like, oh, you, you actually realise that how much the the women's team means to people as well. Because it, it might sound slightly like weird coming, but it, it, that was a moment for me when you when you see him and you think, wow, this is this is actually something that, that means so much to him. Yeah, but I think it's quite simple, really. Tara's a footballer. Okay, she's, she's a retired footballer, but she plays. So, um, for Nigel, that's his, that's, that's his, his equivalent of playing at Pride Park, as Tara has, is to um, do the match day official work at Pride Park. Um, it's no different for him. Uh, and, uh, and Derby as a football club are absolutely brilliant. You know, they know that Nigel's very loud. They know that Nigel's very biased. There was never any question that anyone else was going to do that PA work that day other than Nigel. Yeah, incredible. And it was a brilliant. I came down and, and really enjoyed. And it was my real introduction to watching to watching the, the Derby women because I'd I'd probably seen them before because I used to play Sunday mornings for Borough Fix under 18s. Yeah. And then... In the in the afternoon, we'd check, come out the change rooms and Derby would go in. So for me, I sat there and thought, this is like in the space of five six years, this has been mm. meteoric. It's hard. How many goals was it for you, Cora? In the end, do you, do you know if the? I only know this because Nigel reminded me the other day. I believe it's eighty six. Eighty six. Can yeah. can you pick a favourite? God, now you're asking. Um, I always find when I'm talking, when I've had ex-footballers uh, on before, if you talk to a striker that scored loads of goals, as soon as you ask them questions like that, then it's kind of like, no, it's just, it's my job. And yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, I can't, to be fair, other than, obviously, when they started filming the games, you get to see them back and you're like, oh, yeah, that was all right, that was decent. I liked that one, you know, that was a good moment. But other than that, yeah, like... I can't remember my first. I can't really remember my last. So it's just like every goal was special, to be fair. And when I knew I'd just tipped, um, I think it was Mel Johnson and M. Jeffrey to get the top goal scorer, you know, every goal after that was a blessing. So, Have you got one, Gibbo? A favourite goal? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's unfortunately not one of Cara's, but you'll, you'll, she'll forgive me, I'm sure, and you will. I think given where the, the project had started, 
um, when we beat Forest, not last season, the season before, first time at Pride Park Stadium, two and a half thousand fans. Amy Sims scoring. Um, I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to say I had a tear in my eye. More so because of the, I knew what had gone into it for all of us, players off the field staff, to get to that point where that happened. That's, that, that, for me, is the most important memorable goal in my, in my time at the See, I remember that goal. I can't remember any of my own, but I remember that goal and like what it meant and stuff like. And for Amy Sims to score as well, she's a you know she's a young legend in making like she's a fantastic player and obviously captain in the team um, occasionally now. Um, but yeah, it was a great it was a great goal. Great goal. Yeah, it was. She's a dog, a girl, body candy fan. There's a there's a picture. I mean, Derby County are talking about having images within the stadium now. The ladies are like them. I'm sure that that will happen. So that will be within the stadium, maybe externally as well. And that that's an iconic photograph because the look on her face when she scores that goal. Um, you know that 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 image has been piped across many social media channels. And I can imagine that when that when that moment comes and those images start getting, that will be one that will be featured at the stadium. I have no doubt about that. We, uh, we we spoke, and you just briefly mentioned the journey of and why that goal meant so much. How important was Cora and and her goals and, and the time at Derby in in getting Derby County women to where they are uh, at this time? Absolutely massive, and uh, and we're not just saying that to utter a record. You know what? And it's it's not just the stuff you saw on the field; it's the other stuff as well. So Cora is Derby County through and through, and uh, not only extremely talented player. You don't score that. Goals for a club that operate at the level that we do, you don't get called up to England captain, you can't get football. Um, but away from the football, Cara, uh, every time we were looking, we, we, we did a number of projects. One of them was we wanted to get first team players to drop down to academy training. It was really big in terms of that one club approach, so that the younger players, you know, when they're aspiring to be a car, they actually do a little bit of training with them. Not for long, just dipping dip out. And, and, and that was absolutely fantastic. Um, Cara and uh, Leah Kellogg, um, who was with us up until the end of last season, were always the first two to volunteer. And it was other stuff, you know, we've got a media foot, and they're very proud of the fact that we appear regularly on Radio Derby, but our own programme stuff, again, you just knew if ever somebody dipped out, Cara would dip in. And, and, and wider stuff as well. I mean, you'll know the Neptune Pub and Kirk, that amazing um, puppy appear that's done every year. You know, I saw that last year and I thought, we need to be, we with the, the female armor Derby Council. Uh, we need to be doing something. You know, we need to take up a slot and we need to be selling some of those poppies. The first person I rang was Cara. And not surprisingly, Cara and Leah were sat beside me for the two hours selling those poppies. So it's not just about the on the field stuff. She's been there in terms of helping grow the club's profile in the community. And it all knits together late because it's things like that that get the appetite sponsors, sponsors then invest. With that investment, you're able to invest in the team. You see what I'm saying? So she's been huge for the club, not just on the field, but off the field. So, so Cora's retirement hits hits the club more than just missing the goals and, and a presence on the pitch. It's it's the bigger picture for the the whole club as well. Then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, not, I mean, our football club were quite blessed in the fact that we got a lot of willing players to do that extra bit because they don't have to. As you know yourself, like you're involved in football, you know, some footballers, um, it's hard work to get them to do stuff over and above. 
and over and above is normally over and above you know, walking onto the pitch and walking off it. Um, so yeah, a huge miss. I, I'm just grateful that we have others in the club that are willing to step up to the plate because I can think at some clubs losing someone like Carla would be absolutely seismic, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. Are you are you missing it, Cara? <laughs> Um, I miss it, yeah, don't get me wrong. Um, when I go down, you know, I want to be out there, I want to be playing. It's hard to watch, but, you know, I'm enjoying my weekends now and it's just about getting home in the evening and not having to go to training, you know, it's just about chilling out and just having a bit of time with my family and, you know, Stuart. So I'm not missing it just yet, but, <laughs> I mean, I've had a few uh, other teams from a lower league approached me already and asked me and I'm just like, you know, I'm just not ready. Like, you know, in a year's time, I might be missing it and bringing you and begging you to take me. But yeah, for now, I'm well and truly happy I've hung the boots up at this time. So. Did you did you know it was right, 100% or was it a decision you had to mull over and maybe like think about, oh, am I doing the right thing? Or did it just come to a point? I know you had a, an ankle injury and... Uh, a persistent injury and uh, did you have to go oh am I doing the right thing or was it I just can't perform at that standard anymore so I'm just I just can't do it yeah I mean it was quite easy for me to make really um, obviously last season was one of the most frustrating seasons for me uh, I'm one of these players that you know likes to be the best player I can be I like to be one of the names, first names on the sheet. I don't like to be considered as a sub. And I mean, you speak to any player and I'm sure they say the same. Um, and last season being missing games through injury and then coming back and having to sit on the bench and then getting, you know, 10 minutes here and there, you know, it it frustrated me um, as I was getting older as well. You know, I thought, you know, what I could be doing with my Sundays. Um and then I think I went to one training session at the start of the season and I just thought, you know, I'll give my ankle a go. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. And I just thought, you know what, what who am I kidding? Like, just accept, you know, the see, you know, you've had a good season. I mean, a good career, whatever, just, you know, accept it and bow out kind of thing. So did it, did it, is. Did it come as a surprise to you? Yeah, um, the, the, the decision to retire, um, um, absolutely not. And, 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 and I mean, at the time I, I was quoted, you know, I was asked for quotes on it. And players like Cara, when you operate at a level, you have standards, and she's never going to accept the second best in terms of those standards. So um, it didn't surprise me one job when she says, you know, um, it, that, that, that's, my, that's my time done because. She's, she, she knew in herself the, the, the injury was impacting on her game. And like she said, you know, she was sitting down on the bench on a cage and wasn't getting game time. So, so um, you know, and that's what the best players do, isn't it? You, you very rarely see top, top players that kind of eke out a career and then drop down the levels, you know, to a, to, to a point where the cup's not so possible. We talk and we've spoken about uh, how far. Uh, Derby County women have come as a club and how much the, the women's game is in, has um, been thrust into the limelight. And I, I regularly read about it now. I mean, BBC being, we're big on it now and we're obviously covering the, the Women's Super League. Um, is there a plan in place for 
Gibbo, for what you can do? And is, is there a place you see Derby County women going and a place you want to see them? It, where do you see them going in the, in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, we're not only clear, but very open about our ambitions. Um, our ambition is to um, get ourselves into the championship, um, so the next tier up. Um, in order to do that, you have to A, win the league, and B, meet some really stringent off-field criteria. The FA, very clear that they want a, a field full of wheat. They don't want any chap in there, um, so they want that quality. Um, in terms of the whole club infrastructure. Off the field, we are ready. And on the field, you know, two seasons ago, we came third. Last season, COVID tailed the season when we were second. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out where our ambition lies in terms of this season. So um, the aspiration is to get there. I think there's a realism as well, Blake, in the fact that the, the Super League, the, you know, the, the top tier that sits above that, you know, that the clubs at that level, this level of investment is millions and millions of pounds as opposed to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. So I think there has to be an element of realism. So uh, definitely next year and then establish that next year. Well, you, Carl, where do you, as going down, obviously still supporting the club and having played there for, for so many years, can you see Derby women being, being up there as some of the best in the country at, at, at one stage? Oh yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's thank you to like it's thank you to people like Duncan. You know, who have put a lot into the game, and you know, Derby has changed over the years, and you know that's and the players we brought in, um, and where we train and where we play our games. You know, that's behind the scenes to thank for that. And you know, you don't get to the top without the backing of you know behind the closed door. So why the club have the support it's got and, you know, the board of directors that it's got and, you know, Duncan, I mean, there's only one way it's going and that's up. So just got to be performing on the pitch and <laughs> they've got the players are big up to be putting work in, you know, they've got the players and, you know, there's a lot of youngsters now and I think they've got the ability and the talent. It's just about believing in it now and just making that next step. I think the hardest stage is going to be winning this league, I think. It's like the championship, you know, it's the hardest league to get out of. And I think that's the situation. But like I say, with the support they've got, there's no there's no reason why they can't. Uh, I'm excited to, to follow it now because it's, it's got me excited just talking to you both about following it for the for the coming season. Cora, could you sum up your time at Derby County and your, and your footballing career looking back? God. Well, you know, starting at such a young age and, you know, there was only one person, the reason behind that was because of my dad. My dad was a, a Derby County mad uh, supporter. He used to run the blue pool where he had the DLF go in in one side and then he had all the Derby legends go in. So he used to get Gary Charles, Tommy Johnson, Mickey Forsyth, Mickey Lewis... All of them used to come in the pub and my dad used to go to PFA awards, everything. So I was brought up just like playing football around the lads. So, you know, started at Derby and I was always going to finish my career at Derby because, you know, it was where I wanted to finish. I wanted to finish where I started and where it all began. Um, and I had an amazing career. And just to see it grow, like I've said, it's just come on massively from Shaftesbury Centre to Moor Farm. You know, it's just a credit to everyone behind the scenes and 
I just thank everyone that supported me along the way, really. So, yeah, it's been a good one. <laughs> you're, the, you're the third footballer we've had on who's mentioned the Blue Pool, I think. Lee Camp mentioned it when he came on, on about going in the Blue Pool. Um, yeah, well, Lee Camp's dad, I think. Yeah, my mum my used to say, oh, his dad used to come in the Blue Pools. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, but, brilliant. Yeah. Gibbo, could you sum up what... Uh, Cora's done for, for Derby County women in her time at the club? Yeah, I mean, it's quite simple. Club legend. No, no, no two ways about it. Um, to, um, to have scored that many goals for the club in, in, in the amount of appearances that she did. You know, I, I, I question if that will ever happen again with the way football is going to, to do that. Um, and again, the off-the-field stuff, don't ever estimate that. And the, and the fact that, you know, that legendary status is true because she she comes to the games now. She can't leave it alone, and I think that's fantastic. And when she walks in, you see the fans like, there's Cara, there's Cara. That's what happens with legends, doesn't it? Yeah. And so Cara Newton, Derby County legend, I made a point of when I put on social media earlier, um, I didn't put Derby County women's legend, I put Derby County legend because I think it's an underrated, it is an under, and it's, a, it's something that's not spoke about enough that you're the leading goal scorer, so thank you very much for coming on and good luck with everything you're doing now. Have you, uh, have you sorted the wedding out yet? <laughs> no, well, we're going for it, third time lucky. We're going for June, but we're at, we're, that's why we're flying to uh, Greece on Saturday. We've decided to spend the wedding part and we was like, we can save up now till June again. So, fingers crossed we don't get put on lockdown because that would just sum up my 2020. <laughs> Incredible. Well, I'll, I'll come in. I'll cover, the, I'll cover the wedding for you if you want. Talk to Arbiter and sponsor the wedding. And... <laughs> no, we're going third time lucky in June. So hopefully oh. when this pandemic's over, we'll go again. <laughs> oh, good luck with everything. And thank you very much. It, it means a world for you to coming on and giving us your time. And we'll keep banging the drum. Cora Newton, Derby legend. Not Derby <laughs> legend, Derby County legend. Thank you for having me. Yeah, but hopefully we speak again over the season. I'm looking forward to covering covering the side as much as I can and catching up with yourself and other members of the staff and, and team if if that's possible and, and good luck for everything. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. I mean, uh, always a pleasure talking to you. I think you do an absolutely fantastic job with this. And um, as I said to you privately, it's no surprise that um, that you get interactions with the people that you do. You know, you're, you're a likeable guy, mate, and you do your homework. And um, I think we'll trust you. So yeah. more than to work with you going forward, absolutely. Oh, thank you very much. That means the world. And, and thank you to you both for, for joining us. Hopefully this, this goes some way to, to putting Derby County women where they should be and getting them in people's consciousnesses a little bit more because I think, I think that's really important with the, the way the women's game is growing. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you.